This week on Foamcast Radio, Hasbro gives a rival Springer a new look. Dart Wars closes its Meridian location. The next Strife is spotted in stores, and it's not going to be cheap. I've got so much Battlespace intel, I'm having trouble keeping track of it all for you. And Captain Xavier talks to us about his plans for a nerf makerspace. Listen up and load up. It's time for the biggest podcast in the world dedicated to foam blaster toys. News, reviews, events, and more. And now, recording from the broadcast bunker, it's Ben Anderson, the host of Foamcast Radio. All right, everybody, before we get started, I have a quick sit rep for you. I'm getting married soon and heading out on my honeymoon, so on September 13th, there won't be a regular show because I'll be on vacation. Instead, I'll put out a pre-recorded show with a guest interview, but it won't have any news or events. Don't worry, I'll get you all caught up on the latest news and events the following week on September 20th. With that, let's get into the news for this week. Let's head over to Stratcom. First up, a red and blue Helios has been spotted. Photos of the box art have been leaked online, but we don't yet have a price or release date for the red and blue variants of the Helios Rival Blaster. I'll keep you updated when we find out more information. Dart Wars has closed their Meridian, Idaho location. They've sold the location to a new owner, and this has sparked myths online that Dart Wars is having financial trouble. The reality is that they're actually going to be moving their headquarters to be closer to their other locations in Colorado. All their other locations are continuing to operate as normal, and their upcoming tank battle event is still in the works. Next up, the Strife CQ-10 has finally been spotted in stores in the UK. They've been seen priced at 50 British pounds, which is about 65 US dollars. We currently don't have a United States release date yet, but it's good to know that this blaster is on the way very soon. Foamcast Radio is supported by Flux Sunglasses. Whenever you're flinging foam, you need to be wearing eye protection. But shop glasses don't protect you from glare or UV rays, and most sunglasses are either too expensive for the battlefield or too cheap to hold up to punishment. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Flux Sunglasses. These stylish sunglasses are durable enough to protect you from flying foam, polarized to cut glare, UV protected, and ridiculously affordable. For a limited time, my listeners can visit foamcastradio.com flux and use the coupon code foamcast at checkout to save 15% off their already low prices. Protecting your eyes on the battlefield is important. Don't wait another day to protect yourself with the only brand of eyewear I trust when I'm out on the field. Visit foamcastradio.com slash flux right now and don't forget to use the coupon code FOAMCAST to save 15% off your entire order. Thanks to Flux Sunglasses for being the official eyewear of Foamcast Radio. Alright, it's time for this weekend's Battlespace Intel. Let's get straight into it. The CSRA Nerfers United are having their War Number no. 5 in Evans, Georgia on September 1st. Houston area Nerfers Unite are having their War Number no. 20 in Humble, Texas on September 1st. The San Diego Nerf Club is having an event in San Diego, California on September 1st. The Naptown Nerf Club is having their NIC War Number no. 1 in Indianapolis, Indiana on September 1st. The Blair County House of Nerf is having their Backyard Nerf War event in Bellwood, Pennsylvania on September 1st. 
The Milwaukee Area Nerf Outing event is happening in West Allis, Wisconsin on September 1st. The Mansfield University Nerf Club is having their block party event in Mansfield, Pennsylvania on September 1st. Nerfworks Northern Ireland is having their Transformers Nerf Night in Northern Ireland, UK on September 1st. The Calgary Nerf Crew is having their Back to School Mega Event in Calgary, Alberta, Canada on September 2nd. The Lapeer Nerf Club is having their fundraiser for Forgotten Paws Animal Rescue in Lapeer, Michigan on September 2nd. As You Wish Games is having their Day LARP event in Moscow, Idaho on September 2nd. The BC Nerf Alliance is having their Survivor Zombie Outbreak Edition event in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on September 3rd. The YSU Urban Gaming Club is having their Humans vs. Zombies Day game in Youngstown, Ohio on September 5th. If you'd like any more information about any of these events or upcoming events, head over to foamcastradio.com slash intel. And if you'd like your upcoming event mentioned on the Foamcast Radio podcast, email the information about the event to info at foamcastradio.com. Looking for Foamcast Radio merch? We've got apparel, patches, and sweet tactical gear available for purchase on our website. Foamcastradio.com slash merch. And now, back to the show. There are a lot of things that I'd like to see happen in the Nerf community, a lot of changes I would love to see, and it, it, I realize the only way that they're ever going to happen is if I help make them happen. Um, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. So, uh, I'm, I'm planning to try to start doing that on the local level. Uh, my goal is to create the kind of uh, community and environment that I would really like to see our hobby uh, become. Um, and the first step to that is creating a, a true Nerf maker space. All right, everybody, what you were just listening to was a clip from a video put up by Chelo Lorino, also known as Captain Xavier on YouTube, and I've actually got the distinct pleasure of having him on the show today. Uh, Chelo, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. And the reason that you are uh, coming onto the show to talk to me is about this video that you put up recently. It's called The Captain Calls for Aid, where basically you um, talk about your idea for a Nerf maker space uh, and, and some other things, different ideas that you have for your channel and, you know, kind of expanding some things. And I definitely want to ask you some questions about that. Before we get into that, though, um, I'm a real sucker for origin stories. I love hearing how people got into this whole hobby and everything. And and I'm sure that there's going to be a few people in my audience who maybe have never heard of you. Maybe they haven't seen any of your videos. Um, so can you maybe give me a brief uh, history of how you actually got involved in the nerfing hobby? Yeah, I got into nerf through Humans vs. Zombies at the University of Idaho. Unfortunately, I didn't find out that they were doing it or may have actually been their first game. But it was my last semester when I found out about it. I was just about to graduate and I didn't find out about the game until it was already going. So it was too late to get involved as a player. So we and the the group of guys that I was um, had created a private security company with, we contacted the people who were running the game and said, hey, how would you like to have some professional guys and gear come in and play uh, NPC Marines was the, the concept that we pitched, which are, you know, 
NPC characters that keep respawning, just like in any good zombie movie, there's always more mooks and soldiers that show up and get killed and all of that. Uh, and they absolutely loved the idea because they could use this for game balance and we could help the humans and we could fight the zombies. And everybody liked the idea, except for a couple of zombies who didn't like that we were too good at what we did. Uh, but we then later went on to do it for University of Idaho and or, and as well as the University of uh, Washington, WSU, Washington State University. And uh, it, we really got to do a lot of it. And that's where I, I got into modding, obviously, because... You know, we wanted our gear to be top notch and look really professional and all of that to go along with all of our black tactical gear and all of that. So uh, that's how we got into that whole hobby. I hadn't done anything in the area of Nerf Wars, which is what I do primarily now, uh, until I, I moved out here, uh, which is also when I started my channel. And uh, I, I have to say that I'm a real fan of your channel. I love your um, your different series, Can It Take a K26, and your you know your your Nerf uh, troubleshooting videos and all those different things. Like I really like them, um, I, especially like people who maybe they're having trouble recalling exactly who you are. They probably would recognize you if they saw the picture of you with your minigun. Um, because I think that's kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very recognizable and very memorable. Um, and you know, everybody thinks that that's such a, such a cool blaster that you, uh, put together. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's really cool that HVZ is kind of how you got into it. Um, that it's, it's definitely something that, you know, uh, I, I, I think a lot of people get into nerfing that way who normally would never look at it. And, but then they, they see the whole HVZ thing and that's kind of how they get started and, and they get straight into the custom blasters because one of the big things with HVZ is people like modding, they like painting and stuff like that. So that all, all that stuff uh, totally makes sense and is 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 really cool. Um, so at what point after that did you actually get into making your YouTube videos? I considered getting into YouTube um, long before I actually did. I'd created my channel, but I didn't have the any idea how to actually make videos or really what to do in videos. Uh, so I didn't actually get any videos done for my Humans vs. Zombies time. We didn't even have cameras. Uh, it wasn't until I moved away from there, graduated, got a real job, got transferred, came out uh, to the Seattle area, and uh, got settled down, and some friends of mine from from WSU, who I'd, I'd done HVZ with for years, invited me to a Nerf war that was happening. And by sheer luck, Walcom S7 was there. And he saw me and my whole ridiculous loadout with ire and my shoulder cannons and all of that and had to do a video about it. And so he did. He did um, a video on my loadout, a video on my shoulder cannons, a video on uh, my bazooka. That was the first thing that I'd ever really posted online was the Nerf bazooka made out of an air bla or drain blaster, uh, and it had been well-received. And so he'd seen it, and then when I actually showed up with it, he was amazed, and he did videos on all of that. And so as a result, I ended up with 750 subscribers on my channel, and I'd never posted a single video. But they were all clamoring. They wanted more. They wanted to see my loadout. They wanted to hear, you know, build guides and all my stuff. And so I finally decided, yeah, let's do this. Um, the job I have that I do professionally, I work from home and I have lots of spare time. So, and at that time, I had you know, the project that I'd been hired for hadn't even started yet. So I had nothing but time. And so I was able to crank out, you know, 20 videos in the first week and uh, just escalated from there. And I think one of the things that you said in, in your recent video was that originally you were worried that you might not be able to produce content consistently. Is that correct? Yeah, that was that was my concern. That's why I didn't create a Patreon for the longest time was 
Um, I wasn't sure that I'd be able to keep it going, that I'd be able to con- continue to find content. And that's actually why I created so many regular series, the K26 and, uh, you know, diagnostics and Monday mod tips and, and all of those was so that I would have regular ideas that I could continue to make regular videos on. And then, you know, my personal builds and the Nerf Wars that I go to and all of that unusual stuff or irregular stuff gets thrown in, you know, wherever I feel like tossing them in. But I always have those three videos every single week um, that I keep producing. And I've managed to do that for two years now. So I I feel safe in that I will continue to be able to to create content. And I think it speaks volumes to the quality of your content. The fact that some of these series are based on your fans sending things into you. And it seems like you never run out of stuff for those series. Yeah, the, the Nerf Diagnostic and Repair is where I said, hey, if you because know, people would constantly ask me, hey, can you fix this? Hey, can you fix that? And my my previous rule was, you cover shipping and I'll fix whatever you need fixed. Um, but then I decided to make a series out of it because I was doing, you know, all this diagnostic stuff, which is very, very you know, useful. My channel has always been largely educational. And so this was a chance for me to teach diagnostic techniques and how do you fix a springer and how do you fix a flywheel blaster and um, it was also an opportunity for people to get their blasters fixed for not free. I still, I have them cover the shipping to get it to me, but then I cover the shipping back because since I'm making videos out of it, I get, you know, ad revenue and all that from it. So I have them cover half the shipping and I cover the other half and they get their blaster repaired if I can fix it. Sometimes I can't. And then there's the Friday fan mail that I do every other week. And yeah, people just keep sending me stuff and it's cool. <laughs> Yeah, and definitely the 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 series you have on the diagnostics uh, is super useful. I mean, even for people who don't necessarily have those blasters or have those problems, I think being able to see the things being torn apart, opened up, and seeing the different commonalities and stuff. I mean, I know that when I was first getting started, uh, you know, I was looking at guides for specific blasters to know how to mod them, what were what the locks were, and stuff like that. But eventually, it got to the point where I realized I can kind of determine just by looking at things and moving things around, I can see which pieces need to be there, which ones are locks and stuff like that. And then, you know, you, you, you start noticing all these little patterns. And I think your videos are actually really key to that, to helping people to, to recognize those commonalities. And even if they don't necessarily have that exact blaster or that exact problem, um, just seeing the, the teardown process and looking and, you know, seeing what's interacting with what, and what might be causing an issue, um, I think people find that that really useful. So um, I, I I love those videos. I think they're really cool. Now we've we've established your origin story. We know how you got your superpowers, and I definitely want to ask you um, about your your cool new concept of where you want to go with your channel and and expanding and everything. Before we get to that, we have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back. Foamcast Radio is supported by Buzzsprout. We use Buzzsprout to host the Foamcast Radio podcast, and we have from the very beginning. Why? It's simple to use and set up, and it's free for up to two hours of uploads every month. Users who need more storage or want their entire back catalog of episodes stored can upgrade to an inexpensive paid plan and downgrade at any time if they decide they don't need the paid plan anymore. Buzzsprout makes it easy to get your podcast on Apple, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. And they make it easy to move to Buzzsprout even if your podcast is already hosted somewhere else. 
Start using Buzzsprout for free right away and receive a $20 Amazon gift card if you decide to upgrade to a paid plan. Take advantage of this offer exclusively available to Phonecast Radio listeners by going to phonecastradio.com slash buzzsprout. That's phonecastradio.com slash buzzsprout. Thanks to Buzzsprout for supporting this episode of Phonecast Radio. All right, everybody, I'm back with Captain Xavier, um, also known as Chelo Lorino, and we were just talking a little bit about how you got into the nerfing hobby, how you got started making your your really cool YouTube videos and getting your channel going. And uh, like you said earlier, you've been doing this for like two years consistently, which is really cool. But now you want to sort of take things to the next level. Um, and, and one of the things that you talked about in this video that you put out is your idea to make a real world nerf makerspace. Can you kind of give us the the basic concept there? A, a lot of people are going to go watch your video and I definitely encourage them to do that to get all the details, but really quickly, can you just give us kind of the gist of the concept? Yeah, so the, the concept of a makerspace is a place where there are both the tools and the materials as well as the know-how for a given hobby. And some of them are very you know broad, whatever you want to work on, they will help you and others are more specific. And what I'm aiming for is slightly more specific, but going for a nerf makerspace. So it'll have the, the ultimate goal is to have four to six full workstations of every tool you would need to do the vast majority of mods. You'd have you know a soldering station and a full set of screwdrivers and Allen wrenches and and probably a Dremel and and things that generally you would need to do it, uh, as well as the, the larger tools, the bench press and the the belt sander. There'd only be one of those, and they'd be at other stations that you could work at. Um, as well as, uh, you know, all of the materials necessary. I want to have switches and motors and flywheel cages and flywheels and as many blasters as I can have on hand, though in many cases you would bring your own blaster, but everything else would be there and available, as well as all of the knowledge. Anything that I know how to work on, we could work on, and if there's something you want to do that I don't know how to, we can research it. Uh, so there'd be, you know, computers and screens so that you could look things up online and watch how-to videos if I don't know how to do it. Um, and the idea is that it would all be streamed. Anytime I have a group there that's come to work on stuff, it would be live streamed and that would end up on my channel. So even if you couldn't come to a particular event, you'd be able to watch it. Um, and a lot of things I wanted to do were like specific build nights where we're all going to mod a Strife or we're all going to mod a Retaliator or what have you. And so the live stream would be us doing it in real time and you could do that from home and follow along and watch and ask questions and and all of that. And I also, you know, it, that's the space itself. And then I also want to have enough land to have a, you know, an actual arena uh, for, you know, competitive stuff as well as hopefully a large enough land to actually host Nerf Wars. And so it would all be in one place. So after the Nerf War, we could all go back to the shop and fix things or tinker with things or, or what have you uh, and have all of that in one Cent fairly central location here in Washington so that anyone from you know down in the Portland area or the Seattle area could all come to this place um, for specific events. Now, when you say central, uh, a central area in Washington, are, are you talking about Seattle or are you talking about somewhere maybe outside of Seattle? I'm currently looking for places between Portland and Olympia. Uh, because that's the area that seems to have the kind of properties that I'm looking for that have a large shop and have land generally in you know, old farm um, steads, essentially, or old ranches that have, you know, the big shop for working on the tractor and the big house for the big farm family and uh, generally plenty of land. So that's kind of been the area that's had most of what I'm looking for. So it's 
you know, about an hour or half south of Seattle, but still, you, you know, a, a, you could easily drive that. So, and then, you know, about an hour north of Portland, which is right about where we currently hold our wars here in Washington. We hold them at a place called Fort Borst, uh, which is fairly central to all of the major groups in this area. Yeah, that's definitely really cool and exciting. And I do want to ask you a little bit more about your, your uh, you know, arena and range and your plans for all these different things. One of the things, though, that um, I was thinking about is it sounds like if, you know, if you want to have these flywheels and cages and motors and switches, are you going to have like a shop there where people can buy those things? Is that kind of your your plan? Actually, honestly, my goal is to be able to provide them free of charge. I don't want this to be a business. I want this to be a, a thing that I'm voluntarily creating, uh, which is why I finally created the Patreon. I'm hoping that the Patreon will help fund the worker space. So um, when I need to buy motors or switches or you know filament for 3D printing things, um, I wouldn't have to charge people. Now, blasters tend to get a lot more expensive. And if it's a particularly expensive component, I might charge it. But motors, you're looking at $4 per motor and I can print you know, cages for next to nothing, uh, switches are $2, wiring is next to nothing. Things where it starts getting expensive are actually the flywheels and the blasters themselves. So, you know, those things I may ask for, you know, a donation or actually just a straight up charge. Um, but for the most part, I want it to be as inexpensive for people to be able to start getting into as possible. Up to a certain point, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's really exciting. I think a lot of people are going to hear that and just be like, wow, like that's pretty cool that you're you're so uh, committed to trying to you know help people in the hobby and everything. You're not even thinking about charging people for this kind of thing. Just like if, if someone feels like making a donation, they can. Um, obviously, for things that are you know, more expensive, um, that kind of thing you wouldn't be able to provide. And that makes sense. But I, I think it is really cool that you would have the switches and the motors and stuff like that just there for people to use if they need them. I think that's, that's really cool. Would, would you, um, would you basically be allowing the makerspace to be used for free or would there be like some kind of monthly charge or like membership fee? Using it would definitely be free. Um, whether I'm actually able to provide parts for free, you know, kind of end up, you know, if so many people show up that I'm getting, you know, losing money left hand over fist. Um, but coming and using the tools and asking for my help will always be free. That's really awesome and exciting. I think a lot of people are going to be uh, really excited to hear about that. Um, so th this this whole idea, I mean, this is like this is a really different concept from what I think a lot of people have had. When when and how did you actually come up with this idea? This has kind of been the way my current shop has been since I got it set up. Um, the local nerfers have been, a lot of them have been coming to my shop to use my tools for as long as I've been here, uh, because I always made it absolutely clear. Anyone is perfectly welcome to come to my shop and use my tools because I had all of the power tools necessary to do this before I ever got into nerf. I had them from my days in medieval recreation when I made armor. So I had belt sanders and drill presses and jigsaws and scroll saws and and bandsaws and all of those things necessary for the, you know, the serious modding where you're cutting shells and, you know, drilling through metal plates and all of that, which is what a lot of people don't have. Most people will have, you know, a Dremel and maybe a cordless drill. Um, but there are so many things that you can do much easier and much better if you have the right tools. The problem is that my shop is not big enough for the scale that I'm wanting to do it on. I would need a shop about four times the size of the one I have now. I also currently rent, so there's a limit to how much modification I can make to the space. 
Whereas if I own the place, I can do whatever I want to. Yeah, and I think you said you wanted to have at least six workstations for people. Is that is? Am I remembering correctly? Yeah, that's my goal. Would be to have six full stations. Well, that's really cool. Have Have you gotten any feedback from the community so far? People who've watched your video. Oh yeah, I've gotten mostly positive feedback. I had a couple of people who you know <laughs> weren't so keen on the idea. Um, or on me, depending on, you know, how you wanted to see it. But the vast majority has been hugely popular. Um, I also had a number of people from various other parts of the country say, we want to do this too. We want to create a, a maker space. And this is, this is an awesome idea. And so we've been brainstorming ideas. Um, I've had lots of advice from people who have actually started small businesses. And I'm still not sure whether I want to, to do it as a, a business. Like I said, I'd rather have it remain free and, but there are a lot of things that I can do if it's a business that I can't do if it isn't. But there are things that I can't do if it's a business that I can do if it isn't. So um, still discussing that with people who know a lot more about those sorts of things than I do. Um, there, I'm also looking into mo uh, additional ways to fund it because that was one of the big complaints some people had was that the the very idea that I asked you know pe for people to just donate uh, and set up a GoFundMe campaign um, that was always just the very first possibility for people who just happen to want to donate because there are people who just like giving money to causes uh, but there are going to be additional ways that people can support it and where they will get something directly back i'm working with out of darts he's going to be selling captain xavier t-shirts and foam blast is going to be selling uh, captain xavier patches so there is going to be captain xavier merchandise that people can buy that will go directly to supporting this um i am also going to start taking commissions again finally um because that I need the money, quite frankly. Uh, and I've also started talking to one of the big sponsorship companies that help, or it's rather the sponsorship management companies. And it's the same company that Drac and Coop and PDK work with to get their sponsorships um, for the, you know, the paid ads that they do and, and, and stuff like that. Um, because they both talked to me about doing those kinds of ads where, you know, I talk about a world of tanks or whatever in, the, in one of my videos as, as a, as a paid ad, um, or alternatively, flying me to big events as a, a guest, basically, and sponsors would pay to my shit or my uh, my travel fees to get to you know all over the world to go to Nerf events, which was an absolutely fantastic. I said absolutely, sign me up, fly me anywhere. Um, so we'll see how that. I've got a meeting with them next week to discuss where that would go. So there are lots of things that I'm working on to to be able to fund this. The the main thing that I need is the down payment for the property. From there on, the mortgage I can pay myself because I have a real job, which is handy. But getting that down payment is the the big hurdle to, that's holding this whole project up. And so I'm trying to find as many ways to generate revenue for that as possible. So I've got my GoFundMe. I've got my Patreon. There'll be merchandise, possible sponsorships. So yeah, very exciting stuff. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I find it interesting. If I can just interject my my analysis here um a little bit that you know you're, you're doing all this stuff you're making all these videos for the community that are helping people out you're fixing people's blasters for free now you want to put together this maker space that you're you're not even going to charge anybody to use it and you know as soon as you start asking for some help with paying for some of your you know your upfront costs people are accusing you of you know some sort of a money grab or something which i just think is crazy because it's like you're doing all this stuff basically for free 
free to help other people and to help the community. And then, you know, I, I, I don't understand. I think people think that um, all of this stuff, you should just, you know, be giving it all away and everything. And, and it's like, okay, but it also can't happen unless, you know, people pitch in. And like you were saying, you're not, you're not even going to charge for membership fee or anything, which is, you know, if, 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 if this really was some sort of evil genius plot to create, you know, some sort of profit center, that's what you would want to do, right? You'd want to have, you'd want to monetize it in as many ways as possible. And you're just asking for donations just to get things off the ground, which, you know, is totally reasonable. So anyway, uh, if, you know, pardon my tangent there, uh, my, my little rant. Um, but aside from all of that, um, uh, another thing I was interested in is, you know, you're talking about having the motors and the switches and the cages and all these different things. Have you, um, talked to any of the manufacturers of some of these products, uh, you know, some of these flywheels and cages and motors and things, and maybe put together some deals where maybe you could get a bunch of that stuff in bulk so that you could have it available for people? Yeah. So I'm good friends with out of darts and uh, as well as foam blast and uh, a couple of others. Uh, and I would definitely be talking to them about, you know, would they be interested in helping sponsor this or would they be interested in providing stuff? But for the most part, I don't, again, I don't want to do that because I would rather be able to buy the stuff from them to support them so that they can continue to do all of the amazing things that they've done for the hobby, which is once again, why I'm hoping that Patreon will get big enough that it will be able to, you know, fund the parts necessary for this. I'm going to be covering the rent, you know, the, the mortgage and all of that, but, you know, buying more motors and switches and all of that. I want, I'm hoping to fund that through Patreon so that I can actually buy these things from the various really cool nerf selling companies that are out there because, you know, they're good friends of mine and I want to support them as much as they support me. Um, I haven't talked to any of the big manufacturers. Um, nerf obviously has, you know, legal reasons for wanting to keep me at arm's length because my channel is almost entirely nerf modding. And for obvious legal reasons, they have to be anti nerf modding for, you know, because otherwise they open themselves up to all manner of issues. Um, but I, I definitely will be reaching out to NF strike and worker kit and, and those companies that already send me free stuff in exchange for videos, because I've noticed that they actually do sponsor things like the um, Blaster Tag Association, which I, I definitely plan to start a league of that and create an arena for that up here. Um, so if you're not aware of that, you should definitely check them out. Blaster Tag Association, I believe Jangular is the, the driving force behind that. And I've talked to him about forming an official league up here and, and what all will be involved in that. Uh, but he has sponsors, Foam Blast and Out of Darts and NS Strike all sponsor him. So I'm hoping that they may be willing to sponsor some of what I'm doing as well. Yeah, definitely. The The Blaster Tag Association is is uh, something that's really cool that I'm excited about. Um, and that, that sounds great as far as like, you know, it totally makes sense how you, on the one hand, you want to support their their businesses, but you also don't want to, you know, get any sort of unfair advantage. You you want them to, you know, get their, their money too to support their businesses and everything that totally makes sense and is definitely admirable that uh, that that's your attitude toward that um now, one of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times, and you mentioned it in the video too, is that you also want to have like an arena where you'll be able to put on some events and stuff like that. Yeah. So in addition to having you know a very large shop, the, the places I'm looking at, I want at least an acre of land, if not more. And I'd love to find one that has trees 
so that I can set up both a dedicated um, arena specifically designed after the the Blaster Tag Association's arena style, uh, because that's not actually a lot of space. Those are fairly small arenas that they use because it's 5v5. It's a small, you know, quick game. And then I also want to have enough land to be able to host larger wars, the full, you know, 50, 60, 100 people wars that we occasionally have. Um, I'd love to have enough space for one of those. If I can't, you know, if it ends up, you know, having to limit it to, you know, 40 people events, that's still a decent size for, you know, nerf events, especially the ones we have around here. Uh, but yeah, I definitely want a dedicated arena. One of the other pieces of um, property that I'm, I'm hoping to, that wouldn't mind having is like an old hay barn. Because remember, I said I was looking at old farmsteads. And if I could get one of those huge old hay barns and convert that into a indoor close quarters combat arena, um, you know, creating mazes and, and and like that sort of thing inside as well as arenas outside. Um, I think that'd be just a, a whole new aspect to the game that we don't really see much right now. And I'm really hoping that I can get something like that. If nothing else, I'll set up, you know, barriers and barricades and sorts, that sort of things out in a yard, but uh, I need the space. Well, that's definitely really exciting too. And if I could make one suggestion, it's something that I think would be really cool, whether you put together an indoor or an outdoor arena or both, would be some sort of webcams that live stream the the nerf battles so that people can watch online. I think that'd be really cool for people to be able to tune in and, and watch things happening. I think that'd be really awesome. That is one of the big things that I definitely want. Like I said, the makerspace would be largely uh, streamed whenever there's events going on there. And I want to do the same thing for the arena if at all possible is to be able to do it all live um or at least you know to film it and and post it if not live um you know because a lot of these places i'm not sure how great the internet's going to be where i'm going to be going because farmsteads aren't generally in the middle of a metropolitan area so getting the the fiber connection that i currently quite marvelously have might be a little more difficult so live stream might not be as easy as i would like um or the quality might not be as great as i would prefer but definitely anything and everything that takes place in this area would be filmed so that anybody who wanted to see it or in some way be involved in it could be well plus that's just you know that's an opportunity for you to uh you know monetize this so that you can afford to have all this stuff available for free to people you know if you're able to take that content and upload it and make some money off of ad revenue then you know that that will help i think to enable you to offer all this stuff for free definitely well this has been really exciting and uh, we're definitely going to put links in the show notes so that people can go check all this out what are the different ways that people can contribute and can follow along so they can kind of see the progress so there is a GoFundMe campaign as well as a Patreon, and I'll be putting updates on both of those. I also have a Facebook page and a um, – I finally got Instagram. I haven't quite figured out how it works, but I have one, and I'll be doing updates there as well. And on my YouTube channel, I will be doing videos – you know, recapping probably every other week or so um, how far things are progressing, what things have happened, what things haven't happened, suggestions that I've been giving, changes that I've added, updating uh, where we are in the campaign, where I am in, you know, my sponsorships, places people can follow. Well, that's very cool. And we'll definitely put all of those links over in the show notes so that people can check out the GoFundMe, check out the Patreon, contribute if they're able to, and also, you know, check 
out your social media and especially your YouTube channel, which is just chock full of awesome instructional content for the nerfing hobby. Well, JLo, before I let you go, I have one more question. It's the question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. And that is, out of everything that you've played with, everything that you've seen, what is your favorite blaster of all time? Ire is actually still my favorite. Ire was the first mod that I ever did, and I have added to her and tinkered with her for since I got into Nerf seven years ago, uh, and it's still currently my favorite. And for people not familiar, what is Ire? Ire is a heavily, heavily modified stampede. Awesome, and definitely people are going to want to see that, so um, uh, we'll we'll try to get some pictures and maybe put them in the show notes so people can check that out. All right, thank you so much for talking to me today, Chelo. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Alright everybody, before I sign off, I want to give a big thanks to Flux Sunglasses for sponsoring the podcast. I also wanted to thank Chelo Lorino for being my guest this week. Make sure you head over to our Instagram and our Facebook and check out our Mod Mystery Monday contest for this week. I included an exclusive hint in this week's Tuesday teaser episode, so go listen to that and then go make your guess, follow Flux Sunglasses and Foamcast Radio, and tag your friends. Every tag is an additional entry in the contest. Last week's winner was Deceptive Box Nerf, who correctly guessed the Nerf N-Strike Fire Strike. He's won another Foamcast Radio sports bottle as well as a pair of Flux sunglasses. All right, everybody, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to make sure you won't miss a single episode. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so it's easy to follow us and share this episode with your friends. You can also find us at foamcastradio.com, where you can view the show notes, order merch, and more. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of Foamcast Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Engelstadt, licensed therapist and host of the Best Medicine Podcast, a show where I help people normalize conversations around mental health. I know firsthand how hard it can be to talk about these issues, but there are resources out there. If you're having suicidal thoughts or even just wondering what it would be like if you weren't around, please call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Once again, I'm Ryan Engelstad at the Best Medicine Podcast, and I'm here to help too. So if you want to reach out to me through my podcast where I answer listeners' questions, you can find me on Twitter at EnglesRye, that's E-N-G-E-L-S-R-Y, or through the Anchor app where you can leave voice messages for my show. Thanks for listening, and thanks for taking care of yourself. All right, everybody. Let me try that again.